Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, I'm so excited to say, we have Brian Tyler Cohen, a political commentator, though he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Brian, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be great doing something that isn't staring at uh, C-SPAN for for hours on end. (laughs) Thank you for pulling me out of it. (laughs) I am here for you. Whenever you need someone to get you out of C-SPAN, I'm your girl. Are you ready to dive in? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Census. With Census, gone are the stress-inducing days of pestering your engineering team to build a custom pipeline to get the data you need. Or worse, trying to hack code yourself to get even one accurate data point. Census is a reverse ETL tool that syncs trusted data from the data warehouse into your CRM, or your marketing automation platform, or your advertising platforms, finance tools, and more. The best part of Census? No coding or engineering favors required. With Census's point-and-click UI, you can sync hundreds of thousands of data points from the data warehouse to your tools in minutes. Lightning speed, baby! I so wish we had a tool like this when I was running BizOps at my last tech job, and honestly, I'm guessing my friends on the data science team do too. (laughs) If you're scaling a product-led growth company, or really just any company that has a data warehouse and wants to get data in your business tools without uh, waiting weeks in the request queue, check out getcensus.com slash non-technical. Brian Tyler Cohen is one of the most viewed political commentators online with 1.5 million subscribers and a billion views on YouTube alone. He also hosts an interview series where he sat down with President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, Katie Porter, Jamie Raskin, Pete Buttigieg, and many more. He started the Don't Be a Mitch Fund to raise money for voter registration and has raised over a million dollars so far. And he hosts a weekly podcast called No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen, which is among the most listened to political podcasts in the United States. Brian Tyler Cohen, welcome to Non-Technical. All right. I'm excited. I'm so excited to have you here. You are on the opposite coast from me. You're very far away physically right now. I came from where you are, and now I live on the other side of the country. Full circle. Wow, things are really coming full circle on this episode of Non-Technical. Yeah, that's it. We're bringing everything back. Live in LA for about 11 or 12 years now. What has changed the most about you from when you arrived to now? I eat a lot fewer bagels. Yeah, Which is healthier, but devastating. Healthier, but devastating. And I eat a lot more dairy-free foods, but not in the cool way. I have a dairy allergy. So this is actually the perfect place on the planet for me because I wouldn't be able to function really well. I actually lived in France for a couple years after I graduated college. Oh boy. And if you have a dairy allergy (gasps) and you live in France, things don't work. Right. (laughs) They think that you're being picky when you say, I'm allergic to dairy. And and they'll just say, oh, well, just just try it. Or like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just like, Are you sure? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Are you sure? Because this is very good. I'm like, yeah, actually, no, you're you're totally right. Let's uh, let's just go for it. What's the worst that could happen? You know what? Yeah. Maybe I'm over it. Maybe it's all in my yeah. head. I think today might be the day. Today, now that I'm Jean-Luc. in France. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here in the city of love. Wow. Okay. I bet in LA it is much easier to order a dairy-free snack. It is. It is. But I do have to like make that caveat because I know it's like I know it's like a like a fad, like it's like the cool thing yeah. to do for people yeah. who don't need it. But I I actually do need it. Yes. So 
just making that caveat. It's uh, I'm not doing it because it's cool. Okay, that makes sense. I relate to that and that if I was in your position, I would feel the exact same way. I want people to know, like, this is a medical necessity, right? This is not just. (laughs) (laughs) I make sure they know that this is, that I have a medical issue. Yes. It makes for a really fun ordering process. Yeah. I actually do tell them I'll die. Do you? I won't. But I, but I tell them because a lot of people don't, they don't pay attention to it. They don't take it seriously. Yes. I don't want to get something where there's like, you know, cheese in the middle of, of, my, of my meal or something like that. I'll taste it right away, instantly. But then it's just sending it back. So I just ramp up the, the stakes a little bit and let them know that my life is on the line. And, and then I'm usually good after that. Absolutely. You got to raise the stakes whenever you're ordering a potentially dairyful treat. Would it bother you if the server thought that you were just doing it to be trendy? I think it might have in the past, and now now I truly don't care. Yeah. I think that's the thing hmm. about getting older. Isn't it the know? thing about getting older, you, Brian? You it stop is. stop caring about what other yes. people think. I remember being young, I'm like, how will I ever not care about what everybody thinks about me? Yes. <laughs> yes. At this point, it just doesn't matter. I'm just like, look, I just don't want to die at lunch. <laughs> Look, I'm a simple man. I'm just asking not to die at lunch, okay? Yeah. Just want to leave here in the same physical state uh, <laughs> as I as I came, and uh, and that's it. I'm not trying to like be friends with the waiter. Beautiful, beautiful. That is wisdom. That is the wisdom that we all hope to have. The grace that comes with age. Yeah. So, Brian, how did you spend your last day off? I don't really. Oh, this is going to be such a depressing answer. I know what I you're going to say. I already know what you're going to yeah, say. I don't take any days off, and yeah, especially there we now go. we're in like we're in the full swing of midterms. Oh yeah. So I work seven days a week. Best case scenario, I'll work, if I have a half day or something like that, Mm -hmm. I'll work maybe six or seven hours as opposed to the usual 12, 13. Yeah, that makes sense. But just like a, just like an easy breezy day. Yeah. Just like Um, a casual chill, like pop in, like a tight six, seven. yeah, Yeah, exactly. I can't remember the last time that I had a full day off, even even on my days where I'm where I'm going on vacation, for example. I, I have a full studio that I bring with me. Do you um, really? Like a full travel studio. Wow. And I'm so crazy about all this stuff that for a long time the background behind me was a white wall. And uh-huh. I did that so that I would be able to shoot anywhere in the world. Oh, and so sure. I would go on vacation. And I would call hotels and like me and my girlfriend went to like Bali and I would call hotels in Bali oh to find god. out what color their walls were. Oh my god. Wouldn't book there if they didn't have the right color walls so that it didn't seem like I was leaving, like so wow. that nothing would change. I spent the last few years booking hotels just solely based on uh, on, on whether they have a barren white wall or not. That wow. It's surprising they don't have a filter for that on TripAdvisor at this point, yeah, don't you yeah, think? I, With the number know, of so it's so weird. Yeah, for the number of people who shoot their videos in front of a white void right. of nothingness. Yeah. TripAdvisor, if you're listening, I think adding a void of nothingness filter will at least help attract podcasters and political commentators. Yeah, at least one. At, at least at one. At a bare minimum. At a bare minimum and probably a maximum. <laughs> got a real tight range on this potential increase, but (laughs) let me tell you, it's worth it. A very loyal base within that Very loyal, very loyal. And we can't promise that you'll be able to tell he's at the hotel when he's filming because it will be a plain white wall. (laughs) You'll just never know. You just have to trust that it was the right thing to do. That's right. That's right. So Brian, is there a song that whenever you hear it totally takes you back in time? I think uh, Butterfly. (laughs) Bye. that, That old school rap song. Uh, how does it, can you either tell me how it goes or... Oh God, if I'm going to actually rap Butterfly. Oh yeah, you could uh, rap. I, Do you want to rap Butterfly? No, I, I I don't. I feel like that's one of the things that I shouldn't... I feel you like that's do. the kind of thing where as I'm saying it, yeah. I'll be reaching for those words to try to pull them back yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. into my mouth. It's like, 
And yet, here we go. And yet, yeah. <laughs> I can see, just for our listeners, you can see how badly he wants to rap butterfly. I do, I do, but I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to be. It's crazy town. Is the name of the group? It's the name of the group. Yeah, and it's. Have you not heard it? No. Well, Where maybe goes, I have, and I just don't know it. Oh, here we go. You my butterfly, sugar baby. <laughs> and that's that's all you're getting. <laughs> I feel like you knew this the whole time. That's all I need. That's all I this need. Is, that was this beautiful. This is gonna be the clip that ends up. A lot. <laughs> We got to give the people what they want, Brian. I mean, like me in like sixth grade, I think, mm. rapping Butterfly on a stage at a talent show, like all oh. like 57 pounds of me soaking wet on it, like tiny white child yes. just rapping Butterfly on stage and uh, and just setting myself up for a cringeworthy moment. You said this was a talent show? It was a talent show in okay. in middle school. In, and, okay. And I decided what I would do. Yes. That would that would definitely not be the most embarrassing thing that yeah. I would definitely not be talking about uh, 20 years later yeah, on, a podcast, on a podcast would yeah. be to get up on that stage and mm. rap. Uh, middle school, famous for how uh, forgiving yeah. the students are yeah, to yeah, one yeah. another. No, I think middle schoolers <laughs> love when you like take a big swing and do something totally outside the norm in front of Put all your peers. yourself out there mm-hmm. make, in a really vulnerable position. Yeah. They're really appreciative of that. And, yeah. uh, and, they, and they, they let you forget it. Is That's the right. They let thing. you forget it. They support yeah. it. They understand that mm-hmm. growth is complicated and has Absolutely. its ups and downs, especially in an artistic yeah. capacity. So I obviously yeah. relate to that experience myself. Because you shared that and because you rapped for us, I will, I will let you know that I, in ninth grade, performed a song, a self-composed song, at <laughs> okay. a talent show adjacent type event at my school that was very sad. It was a very sad song. And I performed this mere weeks after I had broken up with my very first boyfriend. Mm. You get to draw from your personal mm. experiences and, and feel the lyrics. Yes. As an artiste, I was called yeah. to it. And then I thought, well, now that I've written this morbidly depressing song about how my life is essentially not worth living, yeah. I'm going to perform that song in front of everyone who knows I just broke up with this boy. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Again, a situation in which the listeners are famous for uh, letting letting, uh, oh, letting yeah. that go. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, they were proud. I would say even proud of me, right? For just the catharsis. Just like, wow. How did no one stop me from doing that? <laughs> just when you think you have all these friends at the yes. end of the day, you realize that none no. of them really stepped up when they were needed. No, and they should have. I got into like slam poetry in, <laughs> in high school really? too. That's oh, so yeah. cool. I mean, you want to talk about like the brooding phase. Oh yeah, uh, I got that into is slam brooding. Poetry for a little bit, and when you're dealing with with poetry, with and and it's the same for like your situation. Mm-hmm. Like when you're dealing with all this stuff, I think the gut instinct is to like be heavy and deep, lean into the, yeah. the broodiness of it all. And so I wrote a slam poem that was so depressing oh, and God. like and like suicidal adjacent yes. because I was like, oh, I'm going to be so so deep with mm-hmm. this. And I sent it to my aunt who lives out in Los Angeles and she's been in the entertainment industry for like 30 years. So any like professional endeavors, I'd be like, I have to check everything with her because, mm-hmm. you know, like any any scripts I write, any songs I write, it's going to be, she's in the industry. It's oh, like, yeah. She's going to want to see this stuff. Yeah. And I was so proud of this song that was so dark. She emailed me back and she said, are you okay? Is this oh, how you really feel? Oh, <laughs> and I was oh, like, I was oh. like, I'm totally fine. Wow. It's great, isn't it? I mean, it wasn't like it was just like you just think that that's what you're supposed to do. Yes. You're a kid, and you're like, oh, I have to get deep. I have to like really like connect with this. And I have that slam poem that I will not be uh, reciting. No, a you don't of, wish on, to. on the on the podcast. But 
Are you sure? Because you did say that about Butterfly. I did. Cut to 10 seconds later. I'm, <laughs> I'm 12 bars into this thing. I have it. And I stood up at a talent show in high school and recited go. the whole thing. Wow. And I'm sure the kids were like, yeah. And all the parents were like, Jesus Christ. Where is the counselor? Are <laughs> they on campus? Okay. We have that in common. Well, you know what? Look at us now. Here we are. Yeah. Totally yeah, not just... neurotic to no, cool, no. casual cats. <laughs> Yeah, nothing, nothing wrong here. <laughs> oh, Alexis, you're crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Brian, what's the tiniest hill you're willing to die on? Like something inconsequential that you would really go to bat for? I don't know if this is an answer to your question, but I think condiments are terrible. Across the board? Yeah, I think we shouldn't have condiments and people, they shouldn't give them to people. Okay. <laughs> I think they're, I think they're disgusting. Okay. Wow. I've never tried ketchup in my life <gasps> and the smell of it makes me nauseous. <gasps> White sauces are even worse. Like- okay. Like a mayo? An aioli? Aioli is like moderately like acceptable. Like okay. I could scrape it off. If yes. ketchup got on something I was trying to eat, I don't think I would eat it. Is a white sauce then more like a tahini or something that comes with like a halal guy's order? Ranch is oh. hands down the worst. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. We have a lot to unpack here, Brian. This is an incredible hill. I think that people shouldn't be allowed to have them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Does it bother you if someone else at the table is using condiments. No, but sometimes I can smell the ketchup. Oh, and you don't like that. It's like, for me, it's the equivalent of someone eating tuna fish Ugh. right next to you. I hate that. Like that. Do you like tuna? No. Yeah. Oh, I like like sushi tuna. Yeah, or sushi tuna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I would want to be at the table with somebody who was eating like tuna fish. Yeah, I'm the same way. Okay, so it's an aversion. Wow. Okay. So much going on here. So we've already sort of categorized what we mean by condiment, like ketchup, white sauces, like you said, ranch. What about mayo? Mayo is, I'd say, the most hated traditional condiment. I think it doesn't smell as as potent. It's it's quite odorless, is it not? Yeah. And I think that helps its taste, but I still wouldn't eat it. And I'm not a fan of it. I'm not going to go to bat for it. No. I'm not going to advocate for it. Absolutely not. Kick mayo right to the curb. Absolutely. But it's not as like as aggressively offensive as... I think ketchup and ranch are. Okay, so ketchup and ranch are tied for number one. Or ranch is number one, ketchup is number two. Yeah, they're both tied. What about mustard? Mustard is less offensive, and I actually will eat honey (gasps) mustard. So this whole hill is solely based on like what I'm okay with. It's a completely egocentric. Of course, that's what makes it a tiny hill. So ketchup is bad because I don't think I'd like it. Yeah. Um, And ranch is bad because I don't think I'd like it. But like honey mustard is okay because I like it. Yeah, of course. The honey mustard makes it in. A sleeper pick, though, because I don't think most people would name honey mustard as their favorite condiment. I think I only have two condiments that I would eat, and I think it's honey mustard and uh, buffalo sauce, like hot hot sauce, like a really? hot buffalo sauce. Yeah, okay. but also on that note, with the delicate, fragile Jewish yes composition, yes, of, of course, myself, the level of hot is uh, is uh, maybe maybe somewhere between a one and a zero, a one and a zero. Okay, yeah, anything other than that, and uh, and we really start to break down. Jews are not like a well built people, you know, like we've been around for a long time, but there's been a lot of breaking down of, yes. our, of our GI systems yes. over the years. And Brutal. so, uh, so just like a, a very mild hot sauce. Okay. A very mild buffalo sauce you'll take. What about a barbecue sauce? No, I don't think I would eat a barbecue sauce. By the way, I'm hearing you say, I don't think I would try this or I don't think I would eat it. So you have not tried a number <laughs> of these things. I've eaten barbecue sauce. Maybe not, maybe not for the last like decade. Oh my um, God. I just don't want I just don't want sauces on things. For most of my life I had plain salad, which is just plain salad, no dressing? No dressing. Brian, 
Brian, that is serial killer behavior. I know, I know, I know. Look, this isn't something I advertise, but <laughs> you asked the tiniest hill I would die on, and so here I am. You're right. I don't want people to know that I You're have right. sociopathic. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm supporting you. I'm finding it within myself to support you as someone who doesn't put dressing on salad. No. And in fact, like now, if I have a salad, I'll do maybe the lightest balsamic, but it's always on the side. Otherwise, sure. otherwise it'll be drenched in it and I'll have to give it oil. Back. Is that an oil and vinegar or you're talking about a balsamic vinaigrette? I think the latter. Okay. I think the latter. I don't think I would have like an oil and vinegar. I think it just sounds like wet. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm a really clean eater. And okay. so I'm, I'm fine with having a plain salad, fine with having, with enjoying like the foods as they are. Yeah. Sometimes I watch people like dunk their fries to their mm. fingertips in ketchup. Outrageous. But don't you like fries? The fry becomes a vehicle for the ketchup, Ooh. like a, a conduit for the ketchup. And if you just want wow. to eat ketchup, then just do it. I think this has the making of a new slam poem, frankly. The fry becomes the vehicle for the ketchup. And it's like a commentary on consumerism. I'll um, bring my, my movie <laughs> 17-year-old self, 15-year-old yes. self back. I would love that. I would be the. Hidden. I'd be in the audience. I'd wear a beret. I would snap for you. Yeah. You sitting right next to right next to my aunt. Yeah. Like, is this child okay? Are you okay? Do you need a GI doctor? <laughs> there were warning signs that twenty years ago. We knew. Is part of this a textural thing? Do you not like the texture of sauces? I think it's a. I think it's mostly a smell thing. It's a smell mm. thing and probably a, a taste thing. If they taste what they smell like, then then the taste is bad too. Do you have particularly strong sense of smell? I think normal. Okay. I don't think Jews were given any particularly strong sense of anything other than <laughs> other than guilt and anxiety. But uh, <laughs> if you're asking if like if like some like motor function is like better on yeah. me, the answer is no. No. Okay. <laughs> there's, no there's no way. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like picnics and barbecues must be hard for you. Yeah, they're a blast. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Getting invited to them left and right. I'm a re repeat customer for sure. People go on picnics <laughs> with me and they're like, you know you know what we need to do again? Go on a picnic with that guy. Yeah, invite the guy that had to <laughs> sit on his own blanket to avoid the ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> Got into a fight with someone when they brought out the tuna fish. <laughs> I mean, I would, I'd be right there with you. I'd be on that blanket 10 feet away. The OG social distancing. Get me away from that tuna <laughs> yeah. fish. Okay, tell me this. Aside from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, what is something you couldn't go a day without? Oh, this is going to be such a corny one, but I think my dog. I love my dog so much, and he's great, and he's a an emotional support animal. Oh, really? I mean, not really, but oh. we did that so that we can fly with him. Okay. But the thing is, uh, he retroactively became that because now oh. I get anxiety when I'm separated from the emotional support animal. So oh. I need the emotional support mm -hmm. animal to support my my separation anxiety from the emotional support. Yeah. <laughs> That's really like vertical integration for yeah. emotional support dogs. It is. I didn't know that I needed an emotional support animal until I had one, yes. at which point I needed one to cope with the uh, separation from that very animal. Now you can't do without. Has yeah. anyone ever tried to challenge that it was not an emotional support animal and not let you bring him on the plane or into the restaurant? No, because I think like in this day and age where people are doing it with like peacocks. Yeah. And... That was so crazy, the peacock thing. Yeah. I would love that. I love when I'm on a plane and somebody sits down next to me with an animal. Yeah, me too. Actually, I agree. It's only been a dog. There's been a cat next to me. I like that. A little variety. Mix it up. You see a lot of dogs on planes. Uh, you don't get a lot of cats on planes. I've had emotional support 
animals um, or dogs jump onto my lap on planes, and I'm just like, and they're like, I'm so sorry. And oh, like, and you're do like, not, no, please, do not take this from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally and figuratively, this moment and this dog, I want, I want both of them. Can you remind me, or maybe you hadn't told me, but what is the name of your dog? It's Aston. Aston. Is that like Aston Martin, the car? I didn't name him. My girlfriend named him. Oh, okay. I, I adopted him. I became his adoptive father when he was, uh, when he was, I think, four. Now he's oh, 11. Oh, I see. I see. This is a cute dog. I'm reviewing the photo you sent me and it is, yeah. that's a cute <laughs> dog. The, in the, in the, in the in backpack the, uh, on the bike. I love a dog in a backpack. He's a little big for the backpack and I don't think he enjoys the backpack. This mm. is mostly, a, the backpack is mostly for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had moved to Venice and I got a bike and I was going to like embrace the Venice lifestyle fully. Yes. That lasted for five minutes because sure. then I just started working for 13 hours a day. Mm-hmm. But for five minutes, I would like ride ride my bike at the beach in Venice and I wanted him to be able to come. And so I got that backpack. I don't think he liked the backpack very much. I mean, he's too heavy for a backpack. Like a backpack dog is like six, seven, eight pounds. Yeah, that seems right. Like, 16, 17 pounds. Oh, okay. It was a little too heavy for a backpack. <laughs> heavy for me to carry in yes. a backpack and like heavy for him to be shoved into a backpack. Yeah. There are a few instances mm. where it's good. I, I just, I think that we're both, that both me and the dog are just pretty much pretty understanding of the fact that yeah. this isn't, it's not like a, a thing that we should do too often. No, but I would say that though there is an increased physical burden on you when the dog is attached to your back, you are relieved of the emotional burden of him being far away. Yes. So it's kind of a net. It's a net net, really. We're going to go with that. We're going to go with it being a net net. Yeah, I like it being a net net. This is a cute dog. Another thing I like about your dog a lot is that I love a dog with a pink nose. And he has um, four white socks. He (gasps) He has has socks. That's my favorite. That's my favorite when they have socks. Yeah. That's very cute. All of his paws are white. He's he's just great. We've also brought him into, into the movie theater. Just about every movie we've gone to. Really? So I think it's like the same rules as everything else. Like, okay. I don't think they can ask or something like that. Or if they can, you just say he's an emotional support animal. And mm. I think that that that's the end of it. Yeah. But I've brought this dog into like five or six movies. Really? Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> freak out? He doesn't freak out. He's, I mean, he's, he's so well behaved. The only time he'll bark is when there's a doorbell. In the movie? In the movie. That's funny. And then he'll bark because he just barks at a doorbell. Of he'll course. bark at a doorbell in a song, in a, on a TV show, <laughs> in a movie, and in real life. And <laughs> we were watching a movie. I think we went to like, I think it was Annabelle or something mm. like that. And I was like, I wonder if there's going to be doorbells or knocking in this horror movie. <laughs> Definitely a lot of doorbells knocking. Oh my God. And I remember the first time the doorbell rang and all of a sudden you just hear one lone bark from oh my, my dog, like loud in the back row. And then I grabbed his snout yep. and didn't let him bark again. And I just heard silence from the theater. And then I heard one person, like maybe like two rows up or something that said, that motherfucker had a Dog in a movie theater? <laughs> so Oh yeah. my god, that's great. We, we've we've learned the genre that not to bring him to. Yes, it's, that's it's fair. Horror. Yeah, I mean I feel like a horror movie is absolutely rife with door knocks and doorbells. Yeah. Someone's always yeah. arriving in a horror film. A lot of arrivals, a lot of surprise arrivals, Ugh. and uh, just just general knocks that might seem like door okay. knocks. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the one rule that we've imposed on ourselves. I'm thinking of what other types of movies you might have to avoid. And the only one that comes to mind is if there was something about like Jehovah's Witnesses going door to door or like Mormons on their mission, like Book of Mormon, if they ever adapt that into a film, can't take the dog. No. Because the the opening song has a doorbell many times. He would he would be going nuts. Could you imagine the whole song? The whole opening song is just is just ding dong. That's it. That's that would be tough. People would definitely be aware that that motherfucker has a dog in the movie theater. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you like horror movies? 
I love horror. You do? I love them. I think <laughs> I have no psychology background. Okay. I think it's because everything, all of what I do for professionally is, yeah. is so toxic. Oh, yeah. It's nice to, I, I, I don't even know how I'm going to square this, but mm-hmm. it's nice to like see something that's so much worse. That I think yeah. that makes my stuff by comparison seem so tame. Yes. I love horror movies. I've gotten into like, C and D list horror movies, really? movies that are so bad that that I actually don't know that I can like finish them, that I can keep yes. watching them because they're so terrible. But I'll give anything a try. Wow. Do you believe in ghosts? Let's see. I don't know because mm-hmm. when I was growing up, I think when my mom was a little kid, she had an older relative, like I think a, a grandmother maybe who who was sick. I think she had cancer maybe and I may be mm. screwing everything every part of the story mm. up but the only person that would know is my mom so mm. in any case she was really sick and she would get IVs in her arm and my mom as a little kid would see the IV needles mm. and get really upset about that but she didn't tell anybody because I, I guess th- this relative was was dying and there was like it was all like a, a very you know overwhelming situation mm-hmm. she would see the IVs in, in, in her arm and get upset about that but never verbalized it mm. and then my mom went to a psychic or a medium mm-hmm. a few years after after her grandma died. And first thing this, that they said is like, your, your grandma is here and she wants to speak to you. And my mom was like, all right. And she was like, she started pointing to her arm and said, it doesn't hurt anymore. Don't worry. <gasps> and so that kind of stuff makes me think that that ghosts are real, you know? Yes. I just got chills. Yeah. There's stories Ooh. like that. I don't think that, that I have any other stories, but I think all it takes is something like that. Yeah. And then you, you start to like believe that there might be other stuff. But at the same time, I don't know. I've I've never like seen anything yeah. or anything like that. But I, I don't think I don't believe in it. Would you ever go to a psychic or a medium? Yeah, I, I would. But here's the thing. I don't know who's who's legit and not. And yes. I'm not going to do that thing where, I, where I'm, I'm not going to try out a bunch of psychics and waste my money and waste my time. Yeah. If I, if I don't have any indication that they're good. Yeah. And unless I got definitive proof mm-hmm. that the psychic is legit, I don't think that I would believe any like any any vague things that somebody told me. I agree on all accounts. Even if they said something that that could be true, like whatever, just some yeah. like vague generality. Even if it could apply to me, I just unless I got some definitive proof. Like here's the thing you said to somebody 5 years ago and mm-hmm. and they've died and they've just told me what you said. Unless I got something like that, I don't think I'd believe them. I'm like okay. way way too skeptical. I know. Me too. But I share this quality with you where if I were to go, I would want this to be like the psychic. Like this is the one. Everyone loves this psychic. I I want like multiple points of proof that things have come true or things have come to fruition. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's how I approach basically everything in my life, which is a huge problem. Like I can't just (laughs) go get Thai food. I need to get the best Thai food. And so I don't know why going to a psychic would be any different, but I completely relate, (laughs) right? Because for me, I don't want someone telling me something about my life that's bad, and then I have to wonder, are they legit or not? You want to be told something terrible about your life and know that and it's know true. That it's <laughs> and like, be true. I don't want to wonder. Exactly. You're like, I don't want to wonder if I'm going to die two weeks from now. I want to know. I, I want to know. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Wow. If you ever go, please let me know, and I will let you know as well, because if we find a good one, we can swap. I think I have asked my mom like who she went to. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it it was like one of those things where it was so long ago and yeah. she eventually like forgot who that person was or or maybe like they, they got too old to to continue. Well, we're in the two best cities, I would think, for a psychic. You being in LA, me being in New York. But then all of the fake psychics oh. also know that. Mm. And so 
where will they go? Mm. They'll go they'll go to the same exact place. Also, I think Sedona, Arizona is like the energy capital of Someone has said that to me before. I need to just go. I need to go understand what that means. It's also something I say without having any understanding of what it actually sure, is. Sure, why not? Like, like, Absolutely. Don't let that hold you back. Yeah. <laughs> but I've been there and it's beautiful. And so even if you go and you don't find that psychic, it's it's just yeah. an awesome place. But it's to like go. Vibe like, Capital USA. Yeah. Okay. It's like I think they just say energy because it's vague enough that it sounds believable when people yeah. like me say it, yes. but you don't actually have to, but it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Really. Energy is a term that I often use to hedge how woo-woo I want to sound <laughs> when I'm talking yeah. about a concept. I often yeah. describe my current apartment as having a lot of compassionate energy in here. And I think that that's right yeah. on the precipice. I'll walk away having known exactly what you were saying, but also having no clue what you were talking for about. For sure. But like, you know, you know, but you don't judge me for it. Because no, fully satisfied. There we go. Fully satisfied. No follow-ups. I'd be like, got it. Got it. Completely understand. Mm-hmm. If you were like, elaborate, I'd be like, can't. Cannot, unfortunately. And you know Cannot. what? Absolutely Neither could not. I. So yep. there we are. That's perfect. Do you have any truly useless talents? Yes, I do. You do. I can chirp like a cricket. <gasps> really? I've never heard someone do that. When someone tells a joke that just like doesn't land and it's just dead silent in the room and you wow. hear a cricket chirp. Okay, cool. So you're disinvited to every stand-up show I'm ever doing for the rest yeah. of my life. <laughs> but I do want to hear it. I like to not only not only exploit someone's um, terrible, vulnerable moment, but I also like to uh, to to steal all of the attention and, and win that moment over for myself. It's it's really great. That's such a good quality. Kick someone when they're down, you know? <laughs> That's great. You learned it in middle school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually think I did. You want to hear it? Yes. Whoa. That's a perfect cricket noise. You really can. Yeah. Really helpful in moments where, where that joke just didn't land and uh, I need to really, really stick that dagger yeah. in. Have you ever done that? To a person? Oh, yeah. It's not going to be like a stranger. Like, I wouldn't no. go to a comedy show. That would be, be terrible. Like, <laughs> and be like, that one bombed. Full ticket. <laughs> but, you know, if we're in like a group of friends and uh, and someone says something that was just like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Just pull out the cricket and yeah. uh, makes them feel worse and makes people like me. That's great. That's the dream. Checks, just checks both of those Right boxes. in the middle of that Venn diagram. That's the yeah. sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. That's really the mentally healthy middle yeah. that you want to yeah. stay in. Exactly. Did you have to learn to do that sound or one day did you just make a cricket noise? I think someone when I was younger taught me. That person just came into my life. Yeah. They say people are here for a reason, a season, or a mm-hmm. lifetime. And yeah. the reason that person came yeah. into your life was to teach yeah. you that cricket noise. <laughs> yeah. For the lifetime, yeah. Just the reason they were there for the lifetime. <laughs> That's right. And again, here I am, 20 years later. Wow. On the pod. Just chirping away. Uh, just chirping away. Thank God. Have you ever been the last to realize something that everybody else seems to know? I didn't know until I was maybe in my 20s that a drawer mm-hmm. where you put something in mm-hmm. is, uh, is is not pronounced like the way that my Jewish mother from Brooklyn pronounces it, oh. which, is a draw, which is a draw. A draw. I didn't know that oh it wasn't God. pronounced drawer until I got into college in Pennsylvania and nobody else had that that Jewish mother from Brooklyn experience from which to draw and uh, from, from which to draw. From which to draw. <laughs> and they were like, what, what are you saying? What is a sock draw? A sock and draw. Like, yeah, and they're like, why do, you, why do you sound like a grandmother? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there are a few words like that. Water, water. is another yeah. one. Yeah, but I grew up saying it water. And my sister, who didn't need to unlearn words mm. so that she could move to Los Angeles to be in the entertainment industry, <laughs> 
she still she still says water. It sounds so like trashy New Jersey to mm. me. Which, which, by the way, I say I say is something you know all of the love in the world. Yeah. Well, you're from there. I think when you're from a place, I do think you get a little extra license. Oh yeah. Who played Leo's wife in Wolf of Wall Street? Margot Robbie. Was it Margot Robbie? And she does like the the New Jersey accent. I thought she played his wife. I think you're right too. And if we're not, then Anthony, just edit this all yeah, out. Yeah, just edit it out. And then we'll dub <laughs> over it with me saying, oh, you mean. <laughs> and then use this. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> but I hear that accent and people are like, oh, that like that like trashy New Jersey accent. I love that accent. Oh. And, and I think it sounds great. Did you used like to that, have it? Like, no, I didn't used to have it. Or, or if I did, it was like very minor, okay. but I was surrounded by it. Mm. I mean, I, I don't remember if I had it when I was young. I knew when I would get angry, it would come out more. Um, really? And now it's pretty much gone. I mean, I've I've lived I haven't lived in New Jersey for for like 12, 13 years. Yeah. But people make fun of it, like the Tommy, get over here. You know, yeah. like I I love that, and I think it sounds great. <laughs> and I know it's supposed to sound trashy to everybody, but like there's so much home in it yes. for me. Yeah, of course. That's where you're from. Even people from New Jersey are like, oh God, that accent. But I'm I'm just like they're like, how could you? How could you live with somebody like that? How could you marry somebody mm. like that? I'm like, that that just sounds that sounds great. <laughs> I wouldn't wow. I wouldn't have any issue in the world. That is how most people feel, you know, about ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you ever need help getting to a place of empathy for people who like condiments, just remember ketchup is their Jersey accent. I, I can't I can't cross that T. I can't I can't get there. You can't cross that bridge and tunnel. Yeah. Brian, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Census. Sales, biz ops, and data teams alike agree Census is an absolute game changer. Say goodbye to dashboard graveyards, manually uploaded CSVs, and needing 10 different tabs to fully understand your customer. Census allows you to integrate data quickly and seamlessly into your desired CRM to get a full 360 customer view. This enables teams to score and prioritize leads and drive automation at scale. We love to see it! Teams across all business functions benefit from this streamlined efficiency, and they have the numbers to prove it. Using Census, Figma has seen a 10x increase in sales productivity, while Canva has been able to drive marketing personalization to over 50 million users. Yeah, I heard you. Wow is right. If you're looking to increase the productivity of your sales reps, personalize your customer communications, and reduce churn, you can learn more at getcensus.com non-technical. And we're back with Brian Tyler Cohen, a political commentator. Brian Tyler Cohen, we have arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. Are you ready? I'm ready. You're ready. We've arrived at the lightning round. First question for you, coffee or tea? Tea. Really? I drink coffee like maybe two times a year. <gasps> That's fascinating to me. And I regret it both And you times. regret it, what, because of your delicate GI situation? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, because it, it's, just, it's just way too much. I don't, okay. I don't really drink caffeine. Whoa. And so if I have it, I think I like it. And usually I'll buy like some chocolate, like mocha drink mm. from Starbucks or something like yeah. that. And it tastes like a milkshake. And yeah. so I'll drink the whole thing oh, no. and uh, full, like I'll, I'll be shaking. Oh I my mean, God. Like, so caffeine yeah. really affects you. Oh yeah. It's, but I mean, it affects me in the way that like when people are like, oh, I remember I have to drink like three cups of coffee to get the desired effect. Well, imagine if you've never drink, yeah, yeah. drank coffee and uh, and you like really want like the effect of the caffeine. Oh my God. That's that's what I have every time. 
That's a superpower, though, because you yeah. could use it like a drug. Yeah, but like it's it's like a drug, but one of those really bad experiences with drugs. <laughs> not the <laughs> fun kind. Yeah, not the fun kind. This is the first time when you did it and you did it a little too much. Yeah. Oof. Okay, that's tough. Not that I would know anything about that, mom. Uh, <laughs> so I think, wait, so that means you work 13 hours a day just due to your zest for life? Or like, yeah, you're just fulfilled yeah. by your job? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just pure. I'm just, I'm just driven by pure rage and, uh, <laughs> and toxicity. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Do you have a favorite cartoon character? Oh, I know this is a lightning round. I'm not. Going no, that's okay. Fast. Actually, the lightning round is never that fast because I get too interested in what people are saying. I should change the name. I like Family Guy. I think those would be my favorite characters. Like a Stewie and Brian would be Mm. my favorite characters. Did you grow up with Family Guy? When did Family Guy come about? Well, that's kind of why I was asking. I was trying to remember, because I know that it was a thing when I was at least like 12 and 13. Wow, really? It's been around for that long? Oh, yeah. I grew up with like, with Nickelodeon. I mean, I grew up with with the OG cartoons. I grew up with Rugrats and Doug, Ren and Stimpy. Yep. Did you like those show? all of those shows? I think Ren and Stimpy was a little too weird. That's the one I was going to ask about. There is no show that bothered me as a child more than Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, Ren and Stimpy, I don't think was... My, my brother, who's seven years older mm. uh, than me, he definitely loved Ren and Stimpy. Okay. I think it was because the only one that was like weird enough that it was like not really for kids. That does make sense. I'm about to blow yeah. your mind, I think, when I tell you the year that Family oh, Guy came out. Was it like uh, was it like 2000 or something like that? It was that? 1999. Like, oh, wow. It was pretty close. So I was 10. That is... I was 10 m- years old. 1999? I can't believe it's been around that long. Yeah, I, I was definitely not watching that. I, I just wanted to see like... I mean, I was definitely like just watching cartoons. Yeah. Like real cartoons. Yes. Not, not animated adult shows. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I do know. Okay, cool. So Stewie and Brian from Family Guy. Have you ever read a book twice? I don't think so. Ever, ever? I very rarely read books um, to begin with. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't really have time yeah. to read books. I've read a couple. I've read like Jamie Raskin's book. He was the Democratic congressman who ran Trump's impeachment trial at the same time he had just lost his son. So that was, wow. uh, you know, really, a really like m- momentous. Absolutely. Like, moment. Unthinkable. That's his book. Yeah. Amazing. But I don't think I've read a book twice. Okay. No, it's, it's hard enough to get me to read a book once. Hmm. Very interesting. Do you have a pump-up song? Yeah, I do. What is it? Nina Simone's Feeling Good Bass Nectar Remix. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) I'm so excited to go listen to that. I've probably heard it, but it sounds amazing. I wish I could play it. I think that's on a commercial. Yeah, possibly. So when do you listen to that pump-up song? What do you get pumped up for? I don't know that I get pumped up or anything. I think it's just a I think it's just a pump up song that I have in the vault. Yeah. For when I would need pump in the pocket. Yeah, absolutely. But, but actually, even when I go to the gym now, um, that's when I catch up on my podcast. Okay, that's fair. I was afraid you were gonna say that you don't listen to anything at the gym and then between that and the no dressing on salad thing, I was like, Brian, I don't know, dude. Don't check my basement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but but if my uh, AirPods die when I'm at the gym. I'll still keep them in and listen to nothing because I don't want to talk to people. That's oh, that's very like, reasonable. I don't want like a conversation. No, 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 of course not. You know, I'll be putting up as much weight as I can, and it's just like Dan Pfeiffer talking to a congressional candidate. Oh yeah, <laughs> so. just getting just getting pumped up on the dystopia. <laughs> yeah. You know, just yeah. like <laughs> leaning right in. That's amazing. Okay, this is my last question for you. What is your most used emoji? I like the melty face emoji. Is that the one that's melting into a pot, like true puddle? Into a puddle. I use that one all the time. I don't know what it means. Yeah. I have no idea what it means. What does it mean to you? 
I don't I don't really know, and I don't use it in con- in situations where it ha- would have a consistent meaning. I just I just love the idea that the face is like melting into a puddle. So so I use it I use it like completely nonsensically okay. and inconsistently. But I think just any situation really is a good situation for a face to be melting into a puddle. What I like is that the face is smiling as it's melting. I find yeah. that vibe very relatable. Yeah, you just like going down with your ship. Yep. And just trying to like, you know, eke out whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you can from like some situation. But, but things are going from bad to worse. <laughs> I work in politics. <laughs> things are going from bad to worse, but God damn it, if I'm not still smiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got to find something to smile about, even if it's just an emoji. Okay, Brian, it was so wonderful having you on the podcast today. Thank you so, so much for coming. Thank you for having me. This was fun. It was great. Great not talking about politics. It was, for, for, yes. Uh, for just a hot minute here. I agree. Where can people People find more about you online. Yes. Well, if you do want to hear about politics uh, and more about politics and less about uh, cricket sounds and 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 melting face emojis, mm-hmm. uh, you can find me on YouTube at Brian Tyler Cohen. Actually, any social media platform, it's always the same handle. It's just at Brian Tyler Cohen. And for podcast listeners, I would really appreciate if you checked out my podcast is No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen. Great name. It's best to tell the truth in politics. That's such a crazy, I don't know, Brian. Let me know how that goes for you, but I don't, uh, we'll see. You can find me at Yay Alexis Gay and at Non-Technical Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. One more time, Brian Tyler Cohen. It has been such a treat having you on the pod. I hope we talk again soon. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. 